Hey, happy Easter. You guys know what happened at Easter? What happened? What does it mean? That's more important, <laughs> right? He's conquered sin and death, the sin and death. And here's what I really want to get across to you guys tonight. How many of you guys have heard this? Is, um, uh, God's angry, and so thank God for Jesus, because instead of pouring out his wrath on us, he poured it out on Jesus, and now we're safe. I used to believe that because I was taught that in almost everybody I've heard but that puts a bad light on the Father. It makes the Father different than Jesus, and Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. And so, uh, uh, gosh, when you finally get a hold of the good news, you go, man, all that's wrong. All that's wrong. I want to read something uh, out of this book. If some of you guys are always wondering what I'm reading, go, it's the, the Atonement of God by J.D. Myers. It's so good. And he talks about the different versions of atonement. But here's what he said. Uh, when we view God as being fully revealed in Jesus, some of you guys know that God was in Jesus Christ reconciling the cosmos to himself, it said. So how much of creation has not been reconciled? None. So the gospel is not that you can get into Christ. The gospel is they brought you into their family. Does that make sense? Now, do the people know it? No, most Christians don't know it. So the good news is not trying to get them into something because that, that's caused division, right? That's what the, the whole problem was with the Jews and the Gentiles. You're in, I'm out, and it's still that way. And so religions are trying to get people in, and they spend their whole life worrying about whether they're in or not. And Jesus Christ said, I reconciled the creation to myself, not counting their sins against them. So the good news is, hey, you've been reconciled to God. Be reconciled. Is start, start receiving and believing the good news that you're free from sin and death. You have nothing to worry about, but all he's going to do in the new covenant is bless. Does that make sense? And the only people who, who fight you on that are the religious guys who like to boast in their own works. But it says this, when we view God as being fully revealed in Jesus, and especially in Jesus as he died on the cross, what sort of cruciform of God do we see? You, know, you guys know what cruciform means? Cruciform means Christ-shaped. So the cross is Christ-shaped. It's, he showed his love there, not God's wrath. And in fact, I, was just, I went back and looked at a couple services from some pretty famous pastors, and they're going, and God poured out his wrath stroke after stroke after stroke on Jesus. Does that sound like a violent God? Yes. Is God violent? He's got fruits of the Spirit, isn't he? He's got self-control. He's love, peace, joy, etc. Isn't that weird what we used to believe? And so it says, he died on the cross. What sort of cruciform of God do we see? We do not see an angry God who is out to kill, maim, drown, or burn humanity in hell. Instead, we see God who is willing to be maimed, tortured, killed for us, and by us rather than do such things. He said, and even when we did all of that to him, what did he say? I forgive you, Lord. Hallelujah, man. So he fully, the best way to see his love and, and supernatural forgiveness was literally on the cross. It wasn't God punishing Jesus and Jesus taking all of our anger. Jesus was willing to be the scapegoat and take all of our anger and pour it out on him. Does that make sense to you guys? At the cross is where we see the perfect gospel that he said, you know what? As a sheep goes before the slaughter, I didn't say a word. I let humanity kill me, which was the greatest sin in, in history. And he said, I don't forgive them. I, or he said, Father, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So when the world sees Jesus Christ, who are they going to see? That same Father in Jesus. Amen? So that's what we have to be presenting to the world. And so when Jesus rose on the third day, what happened? His supernatural love and unconditional forgiveness totally ate up sin and death. See, a lot of us have been taught this, that he was so holy he couldn't look at sin, right? Nothing could be further from the truth. His unconditional love is so powerful it just sucked up all the sin of the world into himself. And said, it, can't, it stand, can't stand in my presence. I consume all of it. Isn't that beautiful? He consumed all of it. And he's conquered death. Hallelujah. Does that make sense to you guys? 
All right, so we're going to go through the Old Covenant are types and shadows. And you don't need to know any of this. Because here's what I, I like. I like teaching some of the stuff of the, the Old Covenant types and shadows and the New Covenant realities. But you don't have to know it. Because sometimes I've, I'm getting this from people going, man, I've got so much to learn. I go, you don't have anything to learn. He's, he's, you already know everything. You're complete in Christ. You really do. And so all this is just reaffirming, this is who this God is that I'm, that I'm in fellowship with. This is this Jesus who I'm married to as the bride of Christ. Does that make sense to you guys? All you need to know is he's consumed all sin and death, and he blesses you continually, despite you. How's that? You got the whole thing. Amen? So as I go through this, don't feel like, because sometimes people go, God, I got so much to learn. I go, no, if you never read the Bible again, are you just as blessed? If you never prayed again, are you just as blessed? Yes. If you're a total spaz for the rest of your life, are you just as blessed? Yes. That's the, that's the praise God. I don't know who that was, but I'm in this deal too. So that's a praise God for me too. So anyway, instead of being this angry God, what he did is he goes, you know what? I, I went as a sheep before the shearer, letting you accuse me of all kinds of things that I'm not. And I showed you who I really am. A radically loving, forgiving father and husband. Amen. That makes sense to you guys? All right, so let's look at some old type covenant shadows here. If we go to the first, uh, go to the first slide. Oh, by the way, Michigan beat Loyola. <laughs> Barb's a Michigan fan, so I had to tell her. I'm glad it's over. I'd be distracted otherwise, thinking about where's what's where's the game. So, all right. So Jesus tells us how to interpret Scripture, right? He says, "Listen, the law, the Psalms, and the prophets are written about who? Him." And if you're trying to follow them, if you're trying to show, if, you, if you're trying to string together Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you're going to get mixed up because it, it's, it's the same story over and over. The Hebrews were circular. They just told the, they told the same story over and over and over. Does that make sense? So everything is about what? He's going to consume man's efforts. He's going to, just, he's going to totally consume sin and death and not leave us in that situation and bring life and life more abundantly. That's, everything's about that, guys. So once you get that... So, all right, so let's go to Exodus. Exodus, it says, On the tenth month, on the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. So they get the, day, they get the lamb on the tenth, and then they keep it for how many days? Four days. What are they doing in that? Making sure it's without spot or blemish, inspecting it, going, is this lamb truly innocent? Because... We're going to pour out, as the scapegoat, we have to pour our guilt and shame on him. Does that make sense? What's it a picture of? Jesus Christ. That's why the holy convocations, all the, all the feasts in the old covenant said were dress rehearsals, so it would point to the real thing of good things to come. Does that make sense? So on the 10th, they would, every household would get a lamb, and they'd inspect it for four days, right? Now you should keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the con- congregation of Israel shall kill it. This is just kind of a cool little thing I threw in there. It, if you go look in Strong's, Strong's 853, it says untranslatable. But when we get to the next one, wait till it actually what you see in, in Hebrew, what it actually is. So the whole assembly of the congregation shall kill it, and it's just like a left off. It going, it's untranslatable to the Hebrews. They don't know what it is. At twilight... All right. So the lamb, if you go look at it closely, the morning sacrifice was put on at nine o'clock, and the evening sacrifice at twilight was sacrificed. Anybody guys, anybody guys know what time? Three o'clock, right? So guess what? You think it's a coincidence that Jesus was put on the cross at nine a.m. and said, "Father, I give up my spirit to you" at three p.m. And the exact time in the feast when the three p.m. sacrifice 
was done, the high priest would yell, it's done. So the Jews have their little deal going on over here. And Jesus goes at 3 p.m., he is the real sacrifice, goes, it's finished, and clean out his head. It said he rested his head. It's over. All the work's been done. Go inherit. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? All right, so let's see what this it is. If we go to the next one, it, which is untranslatable, because Hebrew reads right to left, right? It's aleph taf vav. And literally, it's the ox, the ox that is nailed to the cross. The thing that they can't translate says, you shall kill the ox nailed to the cross. Is that cool? That's just a little tidbit in there that I think is just really cool. Because you go look at it, Aleph is the first, looks like an N, is the ox or the lamb, right? And Toph is the last. Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and Toph is the last. Does that make sense? So he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He was speaking Hebrew or Aramaic, and he says, I am the Aleph, the Toph. I'm the beginning and the end. Does that make sense to you guys? But every, every letter in Hebrew had a picture associated with it. So a left was the lamb or an ox, and Toph is literally the cross. So the whole story is about him on the cross Amen. redeeming mankind. Is that cool or what? That's just cool to me. You don't have to know any of that. It's just a cool little thing that God hides in there. So all right, let's get to the next slide here. Uh, so guess what? They, the, so every family was supposed to bring in a lamb on the 10th and inspect it for four days. So guess when, guess, when, when do you think Jesus came in on a, uh, on a donkey into Jerusalem. Guess which day? The 10th. Does that make sense? So Jesus came in to Jerusalem on the 10th, riding on the donkey, and they were doing Palm Sunday. You know, they're, they're doing their deal with the, all the palms and everything else. And so Luke 23, 13, then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, said to them, you've brought me this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man. So the Jews, the Gentiles, the Roman army, everybody inspected this man and said, this man is guiltless. He literally was the lamb that was inspected for four days and was sacrificed at Passover. Is that cool? Yeah. I think that's beautiful. And so <clears throat> I've found no fault in this man concerning those things which you accuse him of. I just love that. So we can go to the next slide here. In Exodus 25, if we keep going, it says, uh, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about, I just, I didn't know how much time we would have with service, so I'll get you out of here on, correctly. Um, but if you go back to the original fall, what we would call it, Adam and Eve, did that take God by surprise? No, not at all. He, he, he knows the end from the beginning. So, you know, we heard all these things like God created us perfect and then we fell and then he had to do plan B. And I just believed it because famous people were teaching me this stuff. And I was like, then when I started really studying it myself, going, man, they're not even reading the Bible. They're just being taught what they were taught. And so uh, when, when Adam and Eve, when they consumed from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God said this. He said, you know what? I'm going to put them out of the garden. But here's where you're going to meet with me. I'm going to preserve a way to the tree of life. You're going to meet with me on the east end of the garden between the cherubim, the angels, and the flaming sword. He goes, the mercy seat's going to bring you back into paradise. Does that make sense? And if you look at creation, all of it, so he said the east end of the garden, the temple was on the east. You had to enter in to the temple on the east, and creation even talks about it. So after darkness, which, which, uh, which direction does the sun rise on? The east. The sun rises in the east. Does that make sense? And once the sun rises, what happens to darkness? It goes away. 
That's why I said, you don't need to go. Our, our time is not to met getting people into him. It says all creation speaks to it. Everything teaches creation. Everybody's been taught. They just don't know the good news that they're actually already in, that God was in Christ reconciling creation to himself. Our, good, our message is to go tell them, guys, you're in. Now start believing and receiving the good news. And that salvation experience, what people have, is just a revelation of what's already true. And that's what God said in John. He said, you know, when I pour out my spirit, in that day, you're going to realize I'm in you and you're in me. But was he already in them and they're in me? Yes, but they didn't have revelation of it. It says, when I pour out my Holy Spirit, then you're going to know that I've been in you and you've been in me. Hallelujah. That two have become one. Does that make sense? Okay, so... Exodus 25, remember it's the same story over and over and over. Hey, you're going to meet with me between the cherubim and the Shekinah glory. So if you looked at the Jews when they were out there in the desert in their temple, their tent temple, you ever see pictures of it? It's got the Shekinah glory coming up over the holiest of holies and the cherubim, right? That's how you're going to get back into the paradise. And what's that a picture of? Jesus. So make one cherub at one end and the other cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherubim at the two ends. I'll show you a picture of this in a minute. At the two ends of it, one piece with the mercy seat, and the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, above, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be towards the mercy seat. And there I will meet with you. It's exactly what he says in Genesis 3. I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, the ark of the testimony. So if we go to the next slide. That's a picture of the mercy seat. If you ever go look at the temple in the wilderness, you see the Shekinah glory, this sword of, of his of his presence back and forth over the mercy seat. But it's the two angels, and what's in the mercy seat? It's all a picture of Jesus. Now, a lot of people teach, it's our disobedience in there. No, because that's teaching penal substitution. It's all life. Jesus said, the, the golden pot with manna, right? And who's the, gold, who's the manna? The bread of life. Jesus was telling them, this is all a portion of me, and Aaron's rod that budded. So what was that? If something died, Something was dead and then butted again. What's that? New life, right? And what else was in there? The unbroken stones. The first time Moses came down, the stones were broken. The second time he said, don't show these to the people. Put them in Jesus. The second set of stones have never been broken, guys. You and I have never broken them because we're in Christ. Hallelujah. Is that cool? See, that's a lot better than... It's all our disobedience that's under there. And we, God's too, too holy. He can't look at it. Baloney, man. Jesus went and looked at us. He, in fact, he consumed it into himself is what he did. Does that make sense to you guys? All right. So that's a picture of the mercy seat. Now, those are types and shadows of good things to come. So let's get to the new covenant, the next slide. Here's what it shows. I'm going to show you two different places. So early on the third day. Are we early on the third day? Yes. So Jesus dies on what day? Passover, right? The lamb was sacrificed. Does that make sense? So now on the first day of the week, what's the first day of the week? Sunday. That's why churches sometimes celebrate on Sunday. Does it matter what day you're celebrated on today? No. That's what Paul says in Colossians. He goes, guys, stop worrying about the ABCs of life, of physical things. Let's get beyond days and dates and don't eat, don't touch, don't drink. Follow me? Don't you get a lot of that? You teach your kids a lot of that. Don't eat that, don't touch that, don't drink that. Guess what they're going to do? Eat, drink, touch they are. The law was given so that sin would increase. Does that make sense? See, and the grace of God leads them to deny ungodliness is what it says. It goes, when they know they're unconditionally loved and favored, they may dabble, guys, but they're not going to get sucked into it because they know they're perfectly loved and it's not this forbidden fruit. Does that help you guys? 
Because everybody thinks, oh, you're just giving them license to sin. I go, no, you're stirring it up without a license. And then they don't dare tell you. So that's adults that worked for it too. So, but anyway, so on the first day of the week, Sunday, so Jesus rose early on the third day is what it says. So we're early on the third day, literally right now. So, because after 6 p.m., the, the next day starts. So now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing spices, which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. What's that a picture of? The law is rolled away. The stones were always the law. So the law is rolled away, right? The veil is taken away, is what Scripture says, so you can see clearly. So if the veil and the law has been rolled away, and you go in, where, where are you going into now? The mercy seat, right? Well, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, verse 4, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. John gives us a little clearer what those shining garments are. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and she wept. She stooped down and looked at the tomb, and she saw the two angels, these are angels, in white, sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where Jesus' body had lain. Go back to the, the mercy seat again. You see what they saw? The law was rolled away. They go in there, and there's two angels sitting on each end, and Jesus' blood is literally on the stones, covering the stones. The law is gone, guys. It says, that old covenant law is over for those who believe. Does that make sense? It's over. So there's no law keeping, guys. There's no law keeping. All that's left is go boldly to the throne of grace. And what are you going to find when you go boldly to the throne of grace? Him, mercy and grace. And he'll help no matter what. He's not this guy who's looking to pounce on you whenever you make a mistake. If you go look at the, the prodigal son, we always taught, like, see, he went and he, 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 he knew sinning and all this stuff was bad. And, and uh, no, it says he was starving and walking around in the pig pen. He goes, even the servants live better at my dad's house. So he came back, but would the dad allow him to be a servant? He says, no way, not in my house. Your son's in this house. You don't serve me. You inherit from me. How many Christians are still trying to serve God? A ton, man. They're keeping score. There's how many people I saved. Here's what my ministry did. I go, I hate it. I, I don't like it at all because that's not it. It says the ministry is supposed to raise people to the full stature of Christ. A lot of people are trying to raise a ministry up, and the, the fivefold ministry is supposed to raise people up. Does that make sense? And Paul, Paul never did like, hey, I counted. I brought this many people to Christ. No. Paul goes, man, I would die if you guys would just get the revelation. Does that make sense? I wish my brother... Anyway, that's a whole other story. But so the, the law, the stones are rolled away, guys. The old covenant's over. The veil's been torn, right? What's left? Full communion with Jesus Christ. You can go straight to the throne. In fact, you're seated on the throne far above every other principle and every other power. Amen? No spiritual warfare trying to battle demons. If you're doing, why are you stooping down to their level? Because it says you're so far above all that nonsense, they're below your feet. And then you got people, ministries, stirring it up, trying to put the thing above you again. And it's, it's goofiness to me. It's like, would you just believe the new covenant? That you're far above all the nonsense, right? And it says far above. It's not even close. Follow me? We got people running around with swords and the swords of the Spirit. And pff, stop! Rest in the new covenant. The truth, all the promises are yes and amen. You guys get it? That's the rest you enter into. So, all right, let's go on. Let's keep going. Is this starting to make sense to you? Okay. Let's keep going here, guys. The next slide. All right. So Luke 24, 5. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek to live in among the dead? See, these are angels talking to Mary and the disciples now. He is not here, but what? 
He's risen. So death has done what? Death is, it's been done. It's dead. It de he died death. Does that make sense? Death is gone. What did he do with sin? Consumed it by his, uncon un his, his unconditional and radical, for his unconditional love and radical forgiveness completely consumes sin. He's not too holy not to look at sin, guys. What it's saying is sin can't stand in his presence because he consumes it. And so I think we have this, like, Jesus is this wimpy guy, and God's this wimpy guy that, oh, man, your little behavior thing, tantrum that you did this week, now you don't think you can get blessed by God because he's too holy to look at sin. Does that make sense? Yet Scripture says he became sin, so we became the righteousness of God. He's not afraid of it, guys. He stepped right into it and goes, let me suck it into myself. Just, it, I consume it all. I'm a consuming fire. Amen. <laughs> I love that. So what do we get to do? We just get to go, hey, it's good news, guys. We're in this deal, right? But the law will persecute that. Trust me, the older brother will just not be happy with that at all because here's what will happen. So all my stuff didn't matter. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Wasn't that the older brother's response? Father, I've served you all these years. I've won this many people to Christ. I've done these orphanages. I've done all this stuff. And you know what happens to it? It doesn't make it into glory. He goes, nice ministry, but it doesn't make it in. Because he consumes all man's efforts. You know what gets in? Only his work. Only his effort. Does that mean we shouldn't do those things? No, of course but yeah, if you want to do it, that's fantastic. But uh, you know, I, I, some of you guys heard me say, Francois de Troyes just he posted this a while back because everybody's sending money to go build the third temple, right? But, and I used to believe that. Then you read Revelation, he goes, no, there's no temple. We are the temple. Oh, wait a minute. So why are we sending money to build the third temple? Right? And so he said, if you want to send money to build the temple, he goes, here's what I would do. He goes, go give yourself a, a manicure because you are the temple. I was like, that is so good. He came to give you life and life more abundantly. Does this make sense to you guys? So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to, all that's beautiful things, but we're supposed to go, none of that matters, guys. All of our work is, he finished the work. We just enjoy it and share it with other people. Follow me? Gosh, and I'm telling you, when, when people finally catch, well, how would it make you feel? You hear me say this all the time, but I do it. I was just doing it again today with, with some people on a webinar, and I was like, guys, if you knew he'd never judge you for any mistake you've ever made, any sin that you think he's totally to look at, and all he did was bless you, even the sins you're going to commit 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, all the mistakes, he'd never judge you for it, how would you feel? And you can physically see people go, oh, man, they rest. Their shoulders go down, they take a deep breath, they go, that would be amazing. Doesn't that sound like good news? Because that is the gospel. He consumed all the nonsense, all of our efforts, all of our nonsense. He goes, I swallowed it up in victory. And you're a joint heir of Jesus Christ, married to me. You ask anything in my name, I will do it. Anything your name qualifies you for in salvation and the anointing, I will do it so it glorifies the Son and the Father. And so you can be joyful. That is good news, guys. There's no faith to build. There's no... Prayer to heavy pro is simply good news. There's nothing to do but receive. And don't even make receiving the work because I've, I've been there. I believe that I receive. I believe I receive. 
I look back now, I go, you're just goofy. You didn't believe anything. Because you're, you're, <laughs> it's a spiritual thing. You can't make it happen. You just have, you let it literally feel out of you. It's probably the best way. Barbara and I were talking about this. Like when you pray for the sick or whatever, it's like, I've learned not to use words. You guys have heard it when we've talked about prayer. It's literally just feeling his love, his compassion, his warmth, everything. The rivers of living water flow out of your heart into another person, into your situation. That's prayer, guys. And he goes, I'll produce it. The rivers of living water are going to flow out of you, the real temple. Because the sin program's over. I've conquered sin and death. You guys thought the sin thing was a bad deal. You guys thought death was, oh no, you know, we're all going to die. He goes, it's nothing compared to my unconditional love and radical forgiveness. I sucked that up like it wasn't even there. I won. Is that good news or is that good news? Hallelujah. So, all right, let's go. Ah, so Easter, the resurrection of Christ, is proof of what? It wasn't he had to pour out his wrath on us. It wasn't stroke after stroke after stroke on Jesus Christ, guys. It was the lamb who was willing to let us stroke him. Stroke after stroke after stroke. And yet through all of that, go, Father, they don't know. He demonstrated his perfect love to us, didn't he? And then he demonstrated, hey, this sin, death thing, it's got nothing against me. On the third day, I'm going to show you. By, I'm going to die and rise again. So that death has been destroyed, the last enemy. There's nothing left, guys. He's conquered it all. Amen? So what do you get to do? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord and then do it again, is what he said. Rejoice in the Lord always and then again. How, how much rejoicing is that? A lot. So is there any room for pity partying? No, guys. And if we really understood it, we go, you know what? All things work together for our good. We don't need to worry. We don't need to pity. Does that make sense to you guys? So sin and death were no match for his all-consuming love. The law, the old covenant, the stone's been rolled away. Go boldly to the throne. Go boldly to the throne. And he's telling them that. It's really just, it's, it's something so they can get their mind on. You don't even have to go there because you're already there. He said, he's made you sit with him on the throne. He's made you a king and a priest. So kings get to do what? Rule. And priests get to do what? Represent God to other people. Isn't that beautiful? He's made every one of you do it. There's nothing for you to do. You just go, thank you, Father, this Easter. I finally get it, that God wasn't mad, and Jesus didn't have to take the, the wrath of God. He took the wrath of man. Does that make sense? In fact, I didn't even read that. Go back to it. Let's just real quick, and we're almost done. You guys good? See, it's a record, isn't it? Yeah? So, all right. So here, if we read verse 7, so here's what it says. Then they, they were afraid, bowed their faces to the earth. They said to him, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. We had it wrong the whole time. We thought Jesus took our place and God poured out his wrath on Jesus. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to be the scapegoat. I'm going to let you blame me. And I'm going to be a sheep before the shear and not say anything and just go, forgive them, Lord. I'm going to demonstrate my unconditional radical forgiveness this way. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again to show them they don't even have to worry about dying because death has been consumed by me and you're going to have fellowship with me and your glorified body the rest of your life. That's the new covenant, guys. Amen? So you can get to your feet. How's that? Was that a record? I'll keep it going. I'll keep the street going, okay? Because I, really I really want to spend time if people need prayer, etc. Afterwards, like I said, we've had so many just miraculous things going on. It's just, ah, thank you, Lord. Because 
the promise is just there. He said, you know what? If you pray for anything which my name covers you, he will do it. And I, th- I think so much, at least how I, Barbara and I were talking about this today, at least how I was taught is, Mike, there's a price to pay for power. And he's not even after that. He's after relationship. The miracles and the gifts or everything are just there to show you how much he loves us. But it's not the real thing. The real thing is a perfect, loving relationship with him. Does that make sense? So the gifts aren't him. They're just gifts. So if I'm celebrating something, I give my wife a gift to show my what? My love. That's all it is. But is it really me? No. But he did give us gifts. Does that make sense? So you don't have to chase the gifts. You've got it. I was sharing with this couple today. I go, here's what's cool. It says, when he pours out his spirit on you, you shall have the power of God. And everybody's like, see, it's like dynamite, dunamis. And now you got to fast for it and pray for it. I go, nothing can be, you got people so worked up, they can't heal an ant. Because they, they, they were actually feeling condemned. Because why am I not being healed? Why, you know, all this stuff. I go, no, just let it flow out of you. It doesn't have to go on you. You have the ability to flow it out of you. Hallelujah. And what is it? It's his all-consuming love that is the power. The divine ability of God makes everything change in your life. It gives you the creativeness. It heals our broken bodies. It heals our, our depression, our mental things. heals everything when we, when we heal our heart and unconditional love. And that's what he demonstrated on the cross, not God's wrath. It was man's wrath. He was willing to be crucified because, you know what, even that can't separate you from my love. On the third day, I'm going to rise. I'm going to pour out my spirit on you 50 days later. And he's done it, guys. He's poured out his spirit on every one of you so that you all know him and you've got rivers of living water flowing out of you. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah? Hallelujah. Is that good? So if you need prayer after this, come on up. But uh, guys, happy Easter. Yeah, amen. It's Sin and death is no more. Don't let anybody condemn you with any of that nonsense. Does that make sense? You should have no more consciousness of it is what he said. And that, that divine revelation will actually keep you from continuing to make mistake after mistake and mistake. You can't do it in your willpower, guys. It has to come from the inside out. Follow me? So, Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. That we just celebrate this because the story was all about you. You were never mad at us. You were never angry at us. You didn't pour out your wrath on Jesus. You came to demonstrate who the Father and Jesus actually are. That at our worst, we were willing to kill you, maim you, stroke after stroke, and yet you said, forgive them, Father. They know what they've done. That's the clearest picture of you removed sin, our mistakes, as far as the east is from the west. You did not ever hold it against us. In fact, all you wanted to do was just show you how much you love us. You became the scapegoat. We could put all of our blame on you, and you had no problem with it. You said, forgive them. But on the third day you rose and consumed even death, the last enemy. So nothing stands against us. Nothing can ever separate us from your perfect union. So Father, I thank you for supernatural healing in people's lives. Just let it touch every atom in their body, Lord. Just let it touch every nerve, every neural system in their brain, their nervous system. Father, we just thank you that it sweeps away any depression, any anxiety. Your light, your love, your consuming fire just burns it all up so that all they can see is you. In Jesus' miraculous name, amen, amen, amen.